Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Hello and welcome to Bible Interact Presents. I'm Christy Anderson. Today we're going to dive into an important issue and rather controversial at times. Um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 10 and Peter's vision. The reason I want to focus on this is recently I've been ministering to a lot of new people coming out of the church system as usual and and really that have come out, they're dissatisfied with their you know, what they're seeing in the church, but they really didn't know where to turn or what answers to seek. And they began to, um, you know, look outside the box. And as they're coming to an understanding, a deeper understanding of what it means to be a disciple of the master and begin to come into our home church group um, that we started recently, it's called um, Christian Roots Home Church Network. And we're trying to develop a network of um, home churches that can minister together and create disciples and multiply disciples and um, and begin to do that from a grassroots level here in Phoenix, as well as New Mexico and then beyond. And so if you go to ChristianRootsHomeChurchNetwork.com, I've got this teaching here on video, also in print, you'll be able to at least get some of the subnotes um, in print if you'd like on that blog. And so that's a interactive discussion blog. So you're welcome to go there and dive into the discussions with us. Um, it's just getting off the ground. I just got it up uh, about last week. So it's just in the forming stages, but we're going to develop various discussions um, there. And um, you're welcome to share those on Facebook and whatnot um, with others and weigh in on the conversations. Um, also, I have a blog that is more of a study blog, and this is um, called greatcommissionathome.com, greatcommissionathome.com. And this is um, basically I'm doing a lot of book reviews here and looking at various um, and analyzing various um, Christian works and gleaning out some of the good and critiquing some of the not so good and things of that nature. And so this is more of a study blog and you're welcome to go there as well at greatcommissionathome.com. And right now I'm in a book called Growing True Disciples by George Barna. He put this book out in 2001 and I'll probably follow that up with um, his Pagan Christianity, which was pretty controversial within traditional Christian circles. So I'm interested to see where he goes with that. He wrote a few years later and then his, uh, got a couple publications. It, it republished again a few years back. In any case, um, in this discipleship, he notes is preparation for a particular lifestyle, not a specialized occupation. And that's very important that we understand that distinction. And I agree with him on that point, although he might not take it to the degree that uh, some of us within the Hebraic and Messianic understanding would take it. 
Um, that certainly is a very key point. The discipleship is preparation for a particular lifestyle, not a specialized occupation as we tend to think of it today. Or even in general terms, if you're going to be a disciple of the master, uh, that has not a lot of teeth to it. It has, it has a real disconnect from what its biblical meaning was, that you would imitate completely the master or your, your, whoever you were a disciple under. You would learn you know, how they studied the Torah, how they interpreted the Torah, how they applied the commandments, how they kept the feast days, how they, how they did everything, how they ate, how they, everything, how they lived in every sense of the term. You mimicked that and you learned that lifestyle. And that is what we are called to do as disciples of the master of Yeshua. We are to be his disciples. Well, as you're training people and beginning to start people that, uh, you know, I've had a couple that came recently right out of the, the gate, didn't really probably even know what they were getting, stepping into with God putting me in their path, um, which is, is always kind of funny. And uh, they came to just, I opened up through our um, homeschool websites and connections to if anybody wanted to learn about the day the the appointed times or the feast days and so i opened up a, a general class to that and they came and um we ended up of course dovetailing into deeper discussions and so today's teaching is going to dive in to one of the areas that we went into because uh acts 10 was brought up as uh, most people do as why people no longer um, there's that Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 11 are apparently in the eyes of the church no longer applicable to believers. But if that's true, then why do they still say that, you know, why do they still come against homosexuals and, and others and say, well, that's still true for them. And they they like the tithing commandments, but then they do away with others. So that, of course, always comes to the head because the two basic lifestyle transforming really kind of dynamic things that people deal with when you come into this understanding is Sabbath and obviously the special Sabbaths with the, the appointed times, but the weekly Sabbath and those kind of go hand in hand and what we eat. It's so dynamic. It's so interesting that what we put in our mouth is so connected to our flesh and our appetites, if you will. Um, and it started in the garden. The first thing, the first commandment that was broken was related to something you might eat or consume. And, and that being forbidden, something that looked good to the eyes, it seemed appropriate for food, but God said no. And so it's so interesting, this topic and how people, one of the key verses I'll go to is Acts 10. And so because we don't have a lot of time, I'm going to dive right in and read um, starting in Acts 10 verse 1. Now, there was a man from Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called an Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, that would be the time of the afternoon sacrifice, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him, and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Jaffa, and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, who whose house is by the sea. 
When the, an- when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Jaffa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. For he, but he had be, he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while he they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky opened up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground, and there were in all in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, "Get up, Peter, kill and eat." But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy, isn't that koinos, that um, common, and or unclean, akathartos, or unclean in the sense of as defined by God. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, made or declared clean, no longer consider common or unclean or unacceptable to God. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, uh, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions from Simon's house, appeared at the gate and calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one who you are looking for, but what is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Jaffa accompanied him. On the following day he entered Caesarea, Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter, raising him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. And he talked with him. He entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. Yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or common or unclean or unacceptable to God. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked for what reason you have sent for me. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Jaffa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, 
we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded to the Lord by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which I sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Yeshua the Messiah, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know that the things which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed, you know of Yeshua of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by handing him or by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. Of him all the prophets bear, bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the, circumci uncir all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up from Jerusalem, they who were circumcised took issue with him. They got angry, in other words, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly, in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Jaffa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by the four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-cornered, four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But, I, but a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed, do not no longer consider unholy or unacceptable to God. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at the moment three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them through, without misgivings. This six, these six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his, ha in his house and saying, 
send to Jaffa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles, to the nations, also the repentance that leads to life. So that's the story. That's the overall story. And it's interesting because we see some really important things that Peter does in this text. We see him talk and use two terms, holy as in common or made, uh, or I'm sorry, unholy as in common as made unclean from, let's say, ritual contamination or sacrifice to an idol or something that was otherwise clean and declared food by God being somehow contaminated or unclean as in declared by God in Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14, or yeah, 14. So we're seeing this relationship and we're seeing God use a dream or a vision. And when you, when you're talking about dreams and visions, you can't get into Gnosticism. Gnosticism is new knowledge and something that you couldn't otherwise have gleaned. And you can't use and interpret visions in a Gnostic type way. So what, the proper way for dreams and biblical dreams is that God will use something known like clean and unclean animals, something they're familiar. And the fact that Peter and would even in, and even in our day, we would use and classify certain people as clean and certain people as unclean. Um, today, even Christians will consider Christians clean and non-Christians unclean in the sense that we're washed by the blood of the lamb. We're cleansed of our sins. And so we've been made clean. Uh, but the non-believer is unclean. So it's not uncommon to associate clean and unclean with human beings. So there's a intimate connection here that is not a far stretch in that time of Peter's vision too. They also had the distinction between clean and unclean with people that they associate. So Peter's mindset was that the Gentiles are unclean. Therefore, we don't associate with them because they could draw us into paganism. They could draw us away from God. Um, After the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, there became so many fence laws that uh, now Jew and Gentile were completely separated. They, They would not associate with them and eat with them. And we see Old habits die hard in Peter. He had this vision. It was such an important vision that God gave Peter a transforming vision that was necessary for him to go and and correct this false doctrine that had been developed that where they looked at all Gentiles, all people that were non-Jews or uncircumcised were con- to be considered unclean by God. And, and God was saying, no, that's not the case. Um, there are going to be some that I that are going to be righteous from the nations. And so this is a really important transition period in going hand in hand with what God is doing in Paul's life as we're seeing this transition back and forth through the book of Acts um, between their parallel um, ministries. And so we need to consider that as well. So what we need to look at now is that people will take this 
chapter and they'll say, okay, Peter's vision now means that I, that Deuteronomy 14 and Leviticus 11 are made void after Messiah's death and resurrection. But is that really what's going on? Is Deuteronomy 14 and Leviticus 11 now made void? Are they no longer the word of God? So this is a question of meaning. What is the meaning of Peter's vision? Well, Peter, of course, tells us the meaning of his vision several times. And yet that seems to be insufficient for um, some believers. So let's look at a couple options. Option one is going to be um, what most of the people will use the excuse to say, okay, this is telling us we can eat anything we want now. That's what the meaning of this vision is. And we're going to look at option two then that will say, no, that's not the meaning of the vision. The meaning of the vision has to do with people not redefining food or in which case you have a whole other can of worms. If we're saying that this text and Acts, this vision in Acts now means that the word of God in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14 is made void. Now we, we're saying a whole other thing like, those chapters, you mean the Bible is, is no longer trustworthy? You mean it's no longer eternal, even though God said it's his eternal word? So we can't have this presupposition that the God's word is eternal and then make it void. That is a conflict. So those that are going to take this first option have to overcome that issue. And of course, we're not going to have time to get into that. Um, actually, we are running out of time. So I might have to push some of this discussion to another time. But essentially what we're going to look at then is, and I'll just summarize here real quickly. Option one then would be that uh, Deuteronomy 11, we're just, this is, there. you know, Deuteronomy 11 and, and Leviticus 18, or I'm sorry, 11, Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14 are keeping us in bondage to sin. Uh, this is somehow sin that's keeping us in bondage. This word of God is what we needed to be freed from. This horrible word that says we can't eat pig and shellfish. Um, that is just what we need to be freed from. I mean, that's really the ridiculousness of when you when you take the excuse for option one here um, to its natural end. Um, if that's the meaning of the ver of the the verse that says what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy or unacceptable to God. If the referent there is no longer consider pig and shellfish unclean, you can eat whatever you want. How does that actually fit the context of what's going on here? The alternative then is to say what God has cleansed, i.e. men like Cornelius, righteous men uh, from the nations, no longer consider unholy or unacceptable to God that common um, that has been made contaminated. So you're not to consider them that way anymore. Peter said this numerous times was exactly what he said it was. And if you want details on option one and option two to do your own apologetic uh, work with others, go to my blog at christianrootshomechurchnetwork.com, christianrootshomechurchnetwork.com, and you can go to the blog pages and you'll be able to find that um, details there. I go into a lot more detail to discuss the, the various options and basically reveal the silliness um, that can occur in a lot of these doctrines that are developed to say that this somehow justifies, um, you know, eating whatever we want now. And so clearly just an overview of what we've read in the text, when you hear the whole text in its context, 
and then you look at, well, what was the meaning? Why did, why did God give this vision? Well, they were not going to, Peter and the others were not going to take the message to the nations and they were going to keep Jew and Gentile separated. How could you have fellowship and one new man if you're not even going to associate together? And so this was re, re, uh, vamping the doctrine that needed to be revamped among the Jewish believers that were, and, and Peter was going to lead that charge re reprogramming. He needed it himself. And even Paul, you know, we see him have to, to correct Peter, uh, publicly on this same issue, uh, later on. So Peter had a hard time, but he was the one that then ultimately was called to do it. So I've run out of time, but I hope to see you next time. Um, you can visit either of my blogs at greatcommissionathome.com, greatcommissionathome.com, or uh, christianrootshomechurchnetwork.com. Again, also visit forwardiswritten.com for uh, books and resources. Have a great and blessed day.